1 Corinthians chapter 7, and, and the reason why I, I thought that video was so helpful is because of the fact that he, you know, he uses the Supreme Court decision to uh, make same-sex marriage legal as a, as a, as a, a way of addressing an issue that's actually deeper than that. Because for the world that we live in, they say that you can't deny them marriage because that's love. They, they say that you can't deny them marriage because, you know, that's life. But we would say that God is love. Isn't that what the Bible says? And we would say that life, life is not marriage. Life, and that more abundantly, is something that we as Christians value. So if we grant them that, and again, we live in a world, you know, that they've made their laws, but we can't ordain that as Christians, because if we ordain that, if we say, well, that's okay, then we're denying them love, and we're denying them life. And he gives the, the bigger picture, and the bigger picture is this, that 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 our, our life as Christians is is not defined by whether or not I'm married or single. You know, what happens, and you guys know me, if some of you, if you come to the church for a while, you know me, I value family. I believe that family in many ways is the fabric of society. But what can happen very easily is we can worship our wife. We can worship our, 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 our husband. We can worship our children. We can worship our family. You know, and what ends up happening is we lose the bigger picture that life is, Jesus didn't die so you can get married. Jesus died so you can have life and that more abundantly so you can be saved from your sins. Marriage is just temporary. And what God wants us to know is this, that if you're single, you know, serve him. If you're single, you don't have to get caught up in, you know, how am I going to get married no, if you're single, just serve the Lord. We're going to see without distraction. And if you're married, guess what he wants you to do? Serve him. Serve him. And so we're going to talk about that in today's study. That's exactly where Paul is coming from. You guys got to know Paul. He's a man on a mission. He's a man who knows what life's about. He's a man that knows that Jesus Christ died on a cross so that all those people can get saved. He's a man who was not able to live his own life and say, well, I'm good. No, he was a man that had a eyes to evangelize. And so with that passion... With that understanding, you know, he, he writes these things, and this is why he's so strong in what he says. Notice what we read in verse 25. Now, now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. Now, Paul here didn't have a particular passage that he could point to from Jesus, you know, when it comes to the questions they had, well, what about, you know, the unmarried maidens? What about singleness? You know, should I stay single? Is it mandatory or is it okay to get married? You know, they're asking those questions. What about if my spouse doesn't know the Lord and all those things? He says, concerning this, I, I don't have a particular passage that I can point to, but I'm writing to you, I'm giving you judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy, God graciously called him, to be an apostle. So because of the fact that he was commissioned directly from Jesus, his words, 
carry weight. That's what he's saying right here. I can't. And so we know now, and looking at 1 Corinthians, let me ask you a question. Is it inspired by God? Yeah, it's part of the Bible. The Holy Spirit gave us the complete canon. And so now we know as an apostle, he's writing to us authoritatively. And so this is what he says. I suppose in verse 26, therefore that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh. But I would spare you. Point number one, if you're taking notes, is live with contentment. Live with contentment. You know, if you're married, don't try to get unmarried. I know some of you guys, you got a little plan up your sleeve. You're trying to get out of it. No. I mean, if we have a biblical ground for divorce, of course, we've talked about that thing. And that's something that God will lead you in. But if you're, you're married, don't try to get out of the, the marriage. You know, invest in it. Love. Draw near to each other. Let God do that work of salvation and power in your marriage. But if you're not married, what he's saying right here is don't seek a wife. Don't, don't seek to be married, right? I mean, he's saying if you do get married, and eventually a lot of you here, a lot of you single people, you're going to get married in God's timing, according to God's will. But what he's saying, that's not a sin, but just don't let it be your master passion. And what he says right here is that when you do get married, you've got to know what you're getting into. It's not easy. You're going to have trouble in the flesh it's going to be tough some of you married people i won't make you raise your hand you know but yeah how many of you would say we've had some very difficult times it's hard you love so much you love so much and then you struggle so much and it can really be a very difficult thing but but what but what we find in, in the world that we live in is some people have elevated it it's all about getting married it's all about getting married and what the bible says is, is it's all about the kingdom it's all about the kingdom. You know, when you watch these movies, these fairy tales, and it says at the very end, and they got married, and they lived happily ever after. You know, oh, why, why can't they say, and they stayed single, and lived happily ever after? You know, because we've got this mentality that being married is better. And, and what we're going to see here is, it, it's, it's only better in one sense is if you're both serving God together. And that's very rare. Usually you see one that is and one that isn't. Usually you see they get caught up in their house. They get caught up in their money. They get caught up in their career. They get caught up in the white picket fence. They get caught up in each other. They get caught up in the kids and their grandkids. And all those things are great. But they then don't have any room to answer the calling of God upon their life. And so that's where you, Paul says it's better to stay single unless it can be one where, you know, you get to serve your, the Lord with your wife. I love to see couples serving the Lord together. You know, but uh, imagine this. I was reading uh, this analogy right here that um, there's a, a stark contrast between most responses 
to marriage and singleness. Uh, for example, when we find out a single friend just met someone, you know, you can picture the ladies uh, bubbling over with excitement. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Is he, he's, is he the one? Right? We get all excited, right? Right? But, but then what would happen if this single person suggests to her friend that she senses a call to stay single, to singleness? And then what's the response then? I mean, most of the time you'll get grave concern and people would challenge such a decision. This person right here said, I wonder if we should switch the responses. That when they say, hey, I found the one, you challenge it a little bit. Hey, hold on, don't just kind of run in. And then, you know, if they said they were single, you, you, you rejoice with them. Again, I know the Lord has to lead you, but imagine, yeah, are you serious? Wow. For the furtherance of the gospel, wow. Maybe if our responses were switched, there'd be less Christian marriages and more people hearing about Jesus. But for whatever reason, we kind of have it, you know, uh, we've just bought into the, the mentality of the world. And you guys know me, of all people, I love my family. I, I love them so much. But, you know, for us, our life is just serving the Lord. That's our life. We like to have fun every once in a while. We like to do a couple of things here and there. But by the grace of God, by the grace of God, we've discovered that it's really about him. And this is what God wants. You know, when you read right here in Paul's opinion, it's better to stay single, that your only care and concern would be to please and serve the Lord. You know, it's, it's his opinion and he shares it strongly. He also shares that if you don't have the gift of singleness mentioned in chapter 7, verse 7, and if that's not where God is leading you, then that's not wrong either. And so what we need to do is take the Bible as a whole and see the reality is that God wants us to follow him. God wants us to be holy. And prayerfully, when the Lord does bring someone into your life, that you would serve the Lord together. You know, sometimes people will quote the passage that says right there, well, it's better to uh, be married than to burn with passion. You know, some people, they got the hormones kicking, the sexual drive is going on, you know, and they keep falling and slipping into sexual sin. And they say, well, let's just get married. You know what I would say? If a person keeps slipping into sexual sin, I would say you're not ready. You're probably not ready. Because you have to first establish your relationship with God. You know, sometimes you hear this in Christian circles. You say, well, she's my better half. Listen, if you go into a marriage and you're just half a Christian, if you go into a marriage and you're just half a person and you think that that person is your, your better half and they're going to complete you, then you're completely wrong because you, we must be complete in Christ. Your spouse won't complete you. Jesus completes you. You can't look to your spouse to be the one to fulfill you because they'll never be able to come close to fulfilling you. It's not two halves coming together that makes a good marriage. It's, it's two whole people coming together. Not perfect, but ready. Ready for marriage. And so, you know, if you're not there yet, you're single, you're serving the Lord, man, you're just, man, you're going for full bore. You're serving Him, right, without distraction. 
And then when the time comes, God will work a work. I, I like what one person said. A correct reason to marry should be when a young man is willing to give himself up for his future wife, as Christ did for the church, or when a young woman realizes that behind being united with her future husband will bring great glory to God and exponentially amplify their effectiveness together to reflect and proclaim the gospel. Simply put, a lack of self-control before marriage probably means a lack of self-control after marriage. And so what we're saying right here is that, you know, let's follow the Lord. You know, what we find in verses 25 through uh, 28 is live with contentment. You guys don't worship marriage, don't worship your spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend worship God. What he's saying right there is if you're married, don't try to get out of the marriage. Or if you're single, you know, don't try to get married. Paul here is trying to protect us from the trouble right there. You notice again in verse 28, Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. <laughs> and so uh, there's a lot to that, huh, guys? Uh, those of you who are married... Do you know what he's talking about right there when you have trouble in the flesh? You're like, no, I will never admit to that. When you're walking in the flesh and not in the spirit, it's a big difference. The only answer to two sinners coming together is agape love, is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way that you can get through. You're like, well, he's a pretty good guy. I've seen the, you know, the crown on his head. Well, the only thing holding up the crown are the horns that are coming out of his head we're sinners i'm a sinner she's a sinner you're a sinner we need the power of the holy spirit so don't think the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence you know we want to get married and paul says i, I kind of want to spare you don't run into it you might make sure you follow the lord you know because if you're not following the lord it's going to be big time trouble the grass is not always greener on the other side of the fence the grass is green where jesus leads you because he's our shepherd that makes us lie down in green pastures Follow the Lord. Don't follow your feelings. Don't follow the flesh. Follow the Lord. Be content where he's placed you. Single, married, and watch what God does. Who's the rich man? The rich man is the one not making more money. The rich man is the one who's content with what he has been given. See, so point number one, live with contentment. Point number two is live with a heavenly perspective. Notice what you read next. Paul says, but this I say, brethren, in verse 29, the time is short. So that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it, for the form of this world is passing away. And so Paul says that the time is short. You know, we see even now Turkey invading Syria. Anytime you see anything like that going on in the Middle East, or so those countries that are adjacent to Israel, I want to just remind you that you got to be ready for the rapture. But not just the rapture, we can die at any moment. Right? You guys know that. 
And so uh, the time is short. Life is a vapor. What would you do different if you knew that you were going to die next month? Let's just say you knew I have 30 days to live. What would you do different? What study might you attend? What Bible type of reading would you be engaged in? How would you pray? Who would you reach out to? You know, there's these people that God is saying, hey, I want you to reach out to your friend and just make it clear, simple, even though they're going to reject you and you think that they might, you know, end your relationship. I want you to tell them about Jesus, but you've never done it because you figure I've got plenty of time. But none of us knows. And we don't know. How would we live life different if we had this type of urgency? Paul here said, listen, from, the time, from now on, you've got to live your life with knowing that the time is short. And so um, if you have a wife, so that from now on even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Now that's kind of weird, huh? You're like, wait a minute, time out. Doesn't the Bible talk about husbands and wives staying together, loving each other, you know, and all that kind of stuff, companionship, you know, godly offspring, you know, and, and all that, you know, family stuff. And he, what he's saying basically is there will be a time where you will not be married. And I know that we try to romanticize it, but the truth is, the Bible teaches that when we're in glory, there is no marriage. That we're not you know, married or given in marriage. We're still going to be male and female, but there will be no reason for procreation. There will be none of that in heaven. And so what he's saying is that think about when you're in heaven. There will be no more marriage. There will be no more emotional ups and downs. We talked about weeping and rejoicing. Live as if that wasn't even an issue anymore. No more husbands and wives. No more, you know, emotional ups and downs. He's talking about relations. He's talking about emotions. He's talking about possessions. Notice again what he says. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. So there's the, the, the downers and the uppers. Because there will be none of that in heaven. It's going to be a consistency. And he says right there, and those who, who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use this world as not misusing it. Because you want to know something? Those are things that get in the way of Jesus. You say, I hate, um, you know, the guys are studying the book of Judges on Wednesdays. And, you know, one of the things they're learning in the book of Judges is that God can use anybody. These random guys, sometimes they're a little weird. God can use them. You know, Samson, right? You look at Samson and you might think he was a big buff guy, but I believe he was a toothpick. I, I'm thinking he's a toothpick. Because that way when he's all strong, God gets all the glory. You know, we think the other way around. So basically what I'm saying is that God can use anyone. Anyone who says, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my life. And you see these guys in the book of Judges, they come out of nowhere and they impact the nation. So why is it that we don't see that a whole lot? And part of the reason, I think, is because we're so caught up in our relations. We're so stuck on our emotions. We're so possessed by our possessions. When, all, when, that, when one day, when we, if we live that life, we will die with regret. First John 2.28 says, There'll be shame there at the Bema seat. Why? Because we got so caught up and we worshipped our family. We worshipped our stuff. And you build bigger barns and you got to work longer to maintain those barns. Wouldn't it be better, I think, for me, and again, you, God has to lead you guys, 
Pray about everything, but man, to me, it's like simplify. Simplify, make it easier to follow the Lord. You know, and our emotions get in the way. We're up and down and all around, and we're not serving the Lord the way that we should. You know, we're stuck on these things, and Paul here says, no, live your life understanding that all that stuff is going to burn, and that's not important. Emotions are not really all that important. Convictions are. Convictions are. What does the Bible say you're supposed to do? Well, I'm not feeling it. It doesn't matter. You, You know, you're going through this. Paul here says, listen, live with contentment. Live with a heavenly perspective the the form of this world is passing away you know when i read that passage right there i think about that guy demas and paul wrote about him in second timothy uh, where he said second timothy 4 and verse 10 demas has forsaken me having loved this present world and so you guys know paul the apostle he was all about ministry he was all about serving the lord you know, just think about it, you guys. I and mean, Just really think about it. You're like, okay, Lord, I'll serve you. So you say yes. Because you say yes, someone gets saved. They get pulled out of the flames of hell. You know, on the way in today, I saw a homeless guy out there, and I was talking to this guy. And, you know, um, we see a lot, and sometimes we engage in conversation with them. Sometimes we don't. But this particular time, uh, the Lord just opened the door for me to share with him. And it was just uh, so cool, you know, to be able to share that God loved him and that Jesus wanted to work in his life. Now, the guy was struggling, and hopefully one day he will come. I invited him to church, gave him some food, said, hey, you're welcome here. But the bottom line is, is that when you say yes to the Lord, then he can use you at any moment. I know, like when we get together with the guys on Saturday morning, and the guys come and they pray for Sunday service, I know in my heart when the ladies get to prayer on Wednesday night or different things, I know that God is using them. That when someone gets saved, it's because someone prayed. I mean, it's just the way it works. You know, but what ends up happening a lot of times is is we're so caught up in the things of this world. Demas left Paul. He left him. Why? Because he loved this present world. That can happen, you guys. And so, you know, you get whatever, blessed in life. And people look at you and you're like, man, they got everything. You know, and it kind of looks sometimes like they got everything. Except for the calling that God had placed on their life. And I tell you what, I would rather have nothing in the world's eyes. And everything that God wants me to have. And that's what he's saying. You have to live with a a heavenly perspective, knowing all that stuff, it's going to burn. The emotions are not what's important. That's all part of the flesh. The the relations are cool, but they don't come before Jesus. You know what the Bible says, as a matter of fact, in Luke 14, 26, Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life, also... He cannot be my disciple. Now, again, you look at that, and you have to know the Jewish idiom of the day. When you hate your wife, Manny, that doesn't sound biblical. Hate my children? Hate your own life? When you compare it to the way 
that you love Jesus. There's no comparison. There's no comparison. I love you, Lord, more than anyone. I love you, Lord, more than anything. I love you, Lord, more than my own life. And that's why when you serve the Lord, there are many sacrifices that need to be made. As a matter of fact, the measure of the ministry is sacrifice. And so we, we, we got to know this, you guys. And I'm appealing to you because it doesn't matter who you are or how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how much of the Bible you, you know or you don't know or where you think you've coming from. It doesn't even matter what you did yesterday or this morning. What matters is what's going on right here, right now. What matters is you have a, a place in the body of Christ. You have a calling from Jesus. You have gifts. You have talents. And it, it's part of the church. That's why it's so important that we stay united as a church. And as you, as everybody, think about it, not just the staff, not just the, the pastors, but sometimes even us pastors, we need... You know, we need to kind of light that fire as well. I'm all in. Not my life. That's what he's saying when we have that heavenly perspective. This is what Paul is saying. And some might say, well, he's a radical Christian. I just think he's a real Christian. And then in, in verse 32, we third point is we live to please the Lord and serve the Lord. Paul says, but I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. Right, guys? Therefore, it, there is a difference between a wife and a virgin or an unmarried maiden. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit, but she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And so all this is about pleasing God or, or pleasing someone else, right? So it's about pleasing the Lord. And so he says, and this I say, for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. And so you're going to have trouble in the flesh. Why? Because the relations, the emotions, the possessions, the distractions. And so if, if you're married, the, the goal, and we're going to see eventually, is let's serve the Lord together. Let's serve the Lord together. If you're single, you're, you're not going to consider yourself a second-class citizen any longer, no matter what the world says. You know, and even in, you know, what's interesting is when you study history, Christianity is the only faith or religion in the world that elevates single status. All other religions, all other cultures, they thrash it. Even the Jews, the rabbis taught that if you're not married by the age of 20, then you're cursed. But thank God we have the Bible, huh? And the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says uh, you're not a second-class citizen. The Bible says to you single people, Paul the Apostle said, um, it's a blessing 
It's a blessing to serve the Lord and just do it without distraction. You know, you don't have to worry about pleasing anyone else. You don't have to worry about serving anyone else. You, you get to serve the Lord and God does such a beautiful work. I mean, Jesus was single. And some of them might say, well, Jesus didn't have a sexual drive or, you know, Jesus had the gift of singleness. And again, I'm not saying that being celibate like the Catholic Church teaches. I'm not saying, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that, you know, you've got to follow the Lord and you've got to just basically know what the Bible teaches. You know, to ha- as a Christian, let's just say, you know, you didn't necessarily have an absence of a sexual drive, but you just, you just got with God and he said, I want you to be single. You know, that happens sometimes. I've, I was reading a lot on this topic because over the years I've studied a lot of theology on marriage, but I haven't studied a lot of theology on being single. And uh, um, it's pretty cool when you read it. Um, generally speaking, I think most people are going to be married because if you didn't, we wouldn't have any ch- any kids, right? There wouldn't be a population. So, but but just in case you're here and you're thinking, but I, I man, God's leading me in this direction to be single. It's just good to know that the, the Bible teaches that it's okay. You know, remember what Jesus said: if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, chop it off, right? Because it's better to go into heaven with one eye and, you know, heaven with one hand rather than going to hell with both, right? And so obviously he's teaching, he's teaching metaphorically. But later on, in, in the same context, he talks about being a eunuch. And, uh, and it's kind of interesting, huh? Kind of like the, the, the picture there. You can actually say, you know what? Um, I'm going to give my life to the Lord. Now, you know, if you're here and, you know, you're, you're, you're single, I mean, as a pastor, man, I try to tell the young guys, it's okay to get married. It's okay to, you know, make a friendship with a girl. Uh, that's, I think, how relationships start. You know, you start as friends. And uh, once you get to know them in, the, in, you know, the group setting, hopefully, then if the Lord says that's the one, then you can go on into courting them. And that means that you're not dating a whole bunch of people. But it means that you're, you know, you're in this relationship. You're going to pursue marriage. And, you know, it's kind of sad that we live in a world now where the girl has to bust the move. If you're here and you're a guy, <laughs> I think that the guy should lead. Okay, so I just want to give you guys, I want to make sure that I'm not handcuffing anybody. But we're just following the Lord. You know, we know what he, share, what, he, what he shares in his word. And we have a healthy understanding of, of marriage and singleness and all these things, what life is, is all about, right? But what he wants at the end of the day is that we serve the Lord without distraction. And so the, the, the best thing would be is when you get a spouse and there, no, there's no distractions. She's not a distraction. He's not a distraction. As a matter of fact, I thank God for my wife because if anything, she keeps me focused. That's the way it's supposed to be. And so we, we, we close with the last section and this basically, it says live a life led by the Lord. He says, but if any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin or unmarried uh, maiden, more than likely this is in reference to his daughter, you know, because here's a dad wondering, should I give my, my, my daughter for, for marriage? Um, if she is past the flower of youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. 
And, and what Paul is saying is let him do what the Lord leads him to do. It could be a guy maybe was wondering, should I marry her? But more than likely, this is in reference to a dad. Is, is, should I marry her off? And, and you have to be led by the Lord. He does not sin if he lets them marry. Nevertheless, he stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will and has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin does well. So then he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in, in marriage does better. Interesting. So the way that I think it would all work out is the daughter has a conversation with her dad and she says, Dad, I, I think that God's calling me to, to be single. And dad is like, well, what should I do? What should I do? And Paul here is telling him, it's okay. If that's where God's leading you, then you will support her. It's biblical. It's okay. Because she has said in her heart, I will live for Christ. Just him. That's where God's leading me. And you don't have to force her to get married. You don't have to do that. And so, you know, for us, it's so cool to have the scriptures to, to just wash away the lies of the world and you know, hopefully, you know, we, you know, we just learn from this really what life is all about. It's about serving the Lord without distraction. And if that husband or that girlfriend or that boyfriend or whatever, they become a distraction, then you have to deal with those things as God would lead you. He, he says, he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better now does that mean that being single is better than being married i would say no not when you read the whole bible are there advantages to being single you can go get ice cream any night of the week <laughs> are there advantages to being married yes i think and when you try to put it all together I think what Paul is saying, what Paul is saying right here, is generally speaking, if a person says, I'm going to stay single to serve the Lord, versus your typical marriages nowadays, Paul is saying it's better to stay single and serve the Lord. Because most marriages, and I've seen it with my own eyes, most marriages, they're just not serving God together. That's why it's better. But if you get two people and you're like, hey, Lord, we're nothing, but we want to serve you. You, you know, it's so cool what God ends up doing. That, to me, is the ideal situation. You know, in the first service, I wasn't sure if I should share it. And I thought, well, definitely not second service, but I'm going to do this anyways. You know, because sometimes Paul does this in his letters. Sometimes he'll mention somebody and they're like, man, they're so amazing. They're so faithful. They're so cool. And when I was reading this right here, you know who really came to mind? Somebody who takes care of his family. Takes care of his family. And someone who is so devoted to ministry. And they serve. I mean, it's amazing. Is Rich and Veronica. So, you know, everyone, there's a lot of other guys here too, but I was just thinking of them in particular because of the fact that, you know, you can talk to any guy here and they'll tell you Rich is an amazing husband. He's an amazing dad. And you, you come any Sunday 
and he's here serving in the morning, and he's here serving at night. He's doing awanas. He's coming to marriage ministry. He's serving the children, and they have always been like, like blameless. The way he's loved me, the way he's loved my wife. I, I, just, I just see, okay, thank you, Lord. We have. That's, that's what God is saying. You know, uh, I was thinking one of the results of today's study in that we were like, okay, I, 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 I want to serve God. One of the results will be that everybody signs up for truth and treat. That's what I was thinking, right? Because you're like, okay, we got to serve, right? But I was thinking about Veronica, and I'm going to tell you guys a story because you're like, well, I don't know if I can do it. I kind of got like a little limp on my leg right here. So the first truth and treat we ever had, Veronica was nine months pregnant. She came, she served on Truth and Tree, and after Truth and Tree was over, she went and gave birth to her child. <laughs> and the excuses we make. That's what I'm talking about. It's up to you. you, you it's up to you. We, you can go live your own life. Or you can live his. You may feel, well, I'm not worthy or I'm not able, and none of us are, but the power of God is available here to fill us up and to give us a new start, a new heart, to forgive us of all our sins. It doesn't matter, you guys. Don't let the enemy condemn you with what's gone on in the past. That's got nothing to do with it. Today, to say, Lord, today, I'm going to go forward. I'm going to follow you completely. I've realized what life is all about. The world tried to tell me, you know, yeah, you got to get stuck on your emotions or your possessions or your relations. You get so many distractions. But I've learned now what life is all about. I exist. It's not-